And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait! We made it. The first Week 18 in NFL history is here. One more game for the Jets and the first season of the Sala era. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. This episode of Can't Wait presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com. Use the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. And if you're listening on Apple, give us a five-star review. We love those. If you're tuning in on YouTube, um, you can be a part of the show again. I'll try to get a couple of people on asking some questions as we go along. Uh, if you do live in the New York City area, and I know, Marissa, you're out in Cleveland again, but we got snow here in New York. Um, I'm in the city, as as most people that listen to this a lot know, we got, it looks like three to five inches. I haven't been outside, but Connor has been outside. Connor was outside early this morning, and that's why he was late for the podcast. Yeah, so this is the lovely married life. Like I would assume that like Bree and I were getting ready last night and she's like running around the house panicking and all this stuff. Cause she, she's a nurse. So she's a, a nurse and, and we live, I think I've told you guys before. And I think I've talked about it on the podcast before where, you know, we have, uh, I obviously cover the jets who are up in Florham park. Bree is a, a NICU nurse at the children's hospital of Philadelphia, which is, you know, down South. So we live in Princeton because it's right now that like middle point. So it's an, an hour for me to get to work and an hour for her to get to work. It's, the middle ground, but it's not ideal for either of us. So she was like, you know, we were looking up the weather. We saw the snow was coming last night. So she was panicking and things like that. But, you know, we were supposed to get one to three inches last week on Monday. And and we literally didn't even get a speckle of snow. Like we we didn't we got nothing on the ground. So I was like, ah, you know, we're probably only going to get an inch, whatever. We'll be fine. So as we go to bed last night, I'm like, hey, if you need me to shovel you out and you need me to help you get out of your like stuff, I was like, I'm going to be sleeping because I don't have to be up at 430 in the morning. So if you wake up and look outside and see that, like, holy cow, I can't get out, call me or like wake me up and we'll be like good to go and we'll, we'll I'll go plow you out and all that stuff. She's like, no, it should be fine. You know, the, the they'll come through and they'll plow everything. I'll just need to like brush my car off like 445. She's supposed to leave at five in the morning. So 450, 455 in the morning. I just hear like basically a tornado going through our apartment, wake up to like, you know, the lights are all on all this stuff. And I go, I'm like, I was like, what's wrong with you? And she goes like, look outside. There's so much snow on the ground. So I look outside, see the snow on the ground. Look at the clock. I'm like, why didn't you wake me up like 45 minutes ago when you're getting ready? I could have been out shoveling. So now I'm throwing shit together. I'm outside. I had to dig her out. And then aside from dig her out, we had to make like a little pathway all the way out of our development because there was four inches of snow on the ground. She drives a little Hyundai Elantra and no one came and plowed. So it's like me going you know, back and forth with a shovel in front of her car to try to get her out to send her off to work to, to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So uh, a nice, fun, eventful morning. And then obviously I was under the impression by my own idiocracy that, that we were starting at 945, not 930. And uh, so I woke up at 930 like, all right, that's fine. I slept in a little bit extra, but that's fine. Just got to get my cup of coffee. I'll be good to go. And instead, I, I woke up to text from Tim and Marissa like, hey, uh, where are you? We're supposed to start at 930. I'm like, uh oh. So Connor, when you were in school and like you told a lie to the teacher, like you have to make sure you like follow up on the lie because you told us that you were shoveling yeah. yet just now while you were late, you just told us that you were shoveling at five o'clock this morning. Yeah, I was correct? shoveling. When I woke up, I was well, Marissa, because he was shoveling at five, he had to oversleep. He was late That's at nine thirty. The logic makes yeah. sense. Oh, I didn't shovel like no, I wasn't oh, like sho- okay. my excuse wasn't that I was shoveling <laughs> then. No, like I was no, I was oh. sleeping. Like, no, Brie goes, no, I was shoveling Brie out in the morning. I said, I have an excuse. The reason why I got an extra 15 minutes of sleep was because I was up at 4 a.m. shoveling. Oh, like, no, I didn't mean like I was literally shoveling it like right oh, before I walked in the door. I thought you door. were late no. to joining us because you were shoveling. No, I like, no, oh, I was okay. late to join you because I was sleeping in later because I was shoveling this morning. No, Brie leaves okay. for work at like five. Like normally she can leave at like 530 or so. But she left 30 minutes early. She's still late to work. Okay. No, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, I thought that was clear. No, no, no. I'm not clever McMa- enough to try to weave those webs. 
The McMaster clan was up at 5.30 this morning because of a, a new plan, which worked actually really well, but we're getting up two hours before the baby to be productive. So to bed early, up early, God and bless then you. everything went well. So don't put that's that the new look plan, on so Connor's we'll face that he's we'll got to long that at 5 a.m. when he has a kid. Bree wakes up two hours before me to be productive because she says when I wake up, I make it less. And I'm not joking about that. It's very that. similar. I wake yeah. up at nine. She wakes up at eight. She wakes up before me to be productive. I'm not, that, is, that is not a joke. All right. Well, let's talk about the Jets being productive this week. Um, so we're going to talk about the Bills game a little bit. We'll talk about the draft position. We'll take your questions. But one thing I wanted to start with, Connor, was so with four weeks to go in this season, we talked about the fact that as bad as things had been and Zach Wilson had been bad, everything could kind of be turned around heading into the offseason. There could be positive vibes. We mentioned Sam Darnold, what happened at the end of his rookie year. If Zach Wilson could put together some positive games here late in the season. Now we have the Jacksonville game where he played well, was his best game to that point. Then we have the Tampa Bay game. You could argue that was his best game, a little better than Jacksonville against a good defense. So he has done what we had said this team could do because I think there is a positive vibe right now around this team heading into the offseason with the way they've played lately, with the draft picks, everything that's going. So how big is Zach Wilson versus this Buffalo Bills, one of the best defenses in the NFL, in Week 18? Can... Can the positive feelings of the last two weeks be ruined by this week? Or are we going to head into the offseason feeling, I don't want to say good, but okay about the future? Yeah, I mean, look, I would say that if he, if Zach Wilson had gone into um, the game against the Jaguars, if he had like his Jaguar game, right? Because the Jaguar game, he had, he had good moments, but we were still looking at that one through, uh, I mean, finding the positivity in the Jaguar game. It was definitely, again... It was definitely a step in the right direction. It was definitely one of his better games to that point. But I don't think the Jaguar game was one of those where it was like, wow, he really looked awesome. You know what I mean? Like he only threw for what was it like 106 yards. He had the dazzling touchdown run. But again, you were kind of like picking and poking individual throws or individual plays and saying like there, there's a sign he's stepping in the right direction. It wasn't like he was having this electric four quarter great football game, you know, so I think if we had only had that Jaguar game in that moment, then he looked and played against the Buccaneers like everyone expected him to look and play. Uh, if he then went against the Buffalo Bills and struggled like everyone thought he would struggle without all of his weapons against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then struggled again against the Buffalo Bills and ended this season with a four-game stretch where all we could really look at to say like, oh, there you go, was a 106-yard touchdown run against the the Jacksonville Jaguars who are a bad football team. I think that changes where you're like, no, now we're back to where we were a couple weeks ago, where, again, we're picking little tiny moments of every individual game to say, like, this kid can do it. And, and you're getting ripped and crucified for criticizing the kid. And, and it's vicious and it's vile and all that stuff. <laughs> because of how he looked, though, against the Bucks, where that was, I think anyone, even those who, who want to criticize him more than anyone else, I think anyone who watches... Zach Wilson and, and hates BYU or just hates the Jets and just wants him to struggle and wants him to look bad. I think anyone who watched that Buccaneer game, you couldn't really rip him. You couldn't really criticize him. I mean, there was we're not talking about picking and and picking and, and pulling out individual moments of the game to show that he played well. You can pick out very minor individual moments of the game where he wasn't just about perfect. You know what I mean? There were the great third down conversion strikes to to Kenny Yaboa. There was the great third down conversion strike to uh to Keelan Cole. There was the the passes to Braxton Berrios. There was command of the offense. There was moving it up and down the field. There was out dueling Tom Brady for about 55 or 56 minutes of that 60 minute football game. I mean, he was that was as Michael LaFleur said his best game. That was his most complete game. That was the best and most comfortable I think I've seen Zach Wilson look. And because you now have that for the first time all year, a complete total game from start to finish. I think you go into this week 18 game against the Bills almost like the cherry on top on borrowed time. You know what I mean? Like if, if Wilson goes out there and looks awesome, it's the cherry on top. If he goes out there and looks poor and struggles against a very good Bills team that that's trying to fight for a divisional title or win the AFC East for a second year in a row, I think you kind of look at it like, okay, well, you know what? He still played really well against Tom Brady and the Bucks. You know what I mean? I think that that Buccaneer game 
gives you that little extra, Not it's not incentive, that's not the right word, but insurance. It gives you that insurance that if Zach Wilson struggles against Buffalo, you can still look back to six, seven, seven days ago and say like, no, 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 but he still did this. And, you know, for me, I think that's what we've all been waiting for this whole year. You know, you just wanted to see a complete game from Zach Wilson and against Tampa Bay, we did. And that's going to be major for this offseason in terms of just the overall feel and vibe of this team. And whether he struggles against Buffalo or whether he plays really well against Buffalo, I don't think it really changes that. If he plays really well, it's just going to add to the mix. But if he struggles, you'll still be able to look back at the last couple of weeks. I mean, take it. I, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I mean, Sam Darnold, his final game of his rookie year, right? Like everyone talks about Sam Darnold's rookie uh, final four games of his rookie season, right? About how good they were, about how, and I've, I've been one of the people that have said that, about how dominant he was, how good he was, how that kind of set the tone for the offseason, that was the case for three of those four games, you know, against the the Buffalo Bills. He won the Jets won 27-23. He was 16 to 24, 170 yards, touchdown pick, 83 quarterback rating. The next week against the Houston Texans, 24 of 38, 253 yards, two touchdowns, no pick. The next week against Green Bay, 24 of 35, 341, three touchdowns, no pick. The final game, week 17 against the New England Patriots, the Jets lost 38 to 3. He was thrown to, to uh, Deontay Burnett and a, and a not very good yet Robbie Anderson the majority of the time. He was 16 of 28. That's a 57 completion percentage, 167 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Didn't even lead the Jets to a touchdown. So that shows you that, like, that final game, as long as you have something that, that predates it, can kind of be pushed aside and you'll just focus on the positive. Sam had three games of positive. I think Zach had a step in the right direction against Jacksonville, then a really, really good game against Tampa Bay. And now it's just about the icing on the cake. Okay, what can you do for the encore? You know what I mean? I don't think he can do anything there that's going to kill him or crucify him, although I'm sure many tweets will be set out, sent out in that moment. But he'll, as long as he, there's nothing, like I've said, there's nothing he can do to kill that. All he can do is build on. And if he has a good game against the Bills, well, I mean, everyone's going to be on cloud nine in Jetsland. Everyone from solid to Florida fans to reporters. Everyone's just going to be a, a cloud nine experience. Well, the other thing about this game, big picture wise, is, I mean, it means something for the Buffalo Bills, which we weren't sure would have been the case. There was a chance this was going to be a game where the Bills were going to send out backups. The Jets would you know, have a chance to, to win it in that sense because of the competition, because the Bills would have had the division wrapped up. But the Bills need to win this game to clinch the AFC East. Uh, if they lose and New England wins, the Patriots would be the division champ. So the Jets can be spoilers. They could win this game, which would then cost them draft. Obviously, they're going to drop down in the draft. Um, I, I'm curious, and when we get people on, when fans weigh in, and you can weigh in the chat too, what are fans' perspective on this? I mean, What's the what would you rather see? Would you rather see an upset win over the Bills that spoils their chance at a division title, although it's then giving the division to New England, which is nobody wants to see that either? Um, or do you just want to lose and make sure that you have at least the fourth pick in the draft and maybe a shot at the third pick? So, you know, throw that in the chat, Connor. I think that it's almost like we talked about a couple of weeks ago where you want to play well and lose. Yeah, it, I think that's a point. So here, I, I go back and forth on it because, like, I mean, we've talked about the, you know, can you, I mean, it was such a nauseating topic of conversation the last few years about, like, oh, can you use momentum at the end of one year to parlay that into success in year two? You know what I mean? Like, is there is there a way that, like, you can finish strong one year and then that carries over? Well, the Jets finished, what was it, seven and two? in 2019 and they ended up going two and 14 the next year so i think that put the kibosh on any thought that you can finish strong one year and carry that momentum into the next season I and mean, even if you want to look at sam's sam's rookie year right like how that strong finish for the team the jets didn't win any of those games but they were competitive in those games did it carry over to the next year no the jets were just as bad and and it just you know it's it's what it's just you know they started one and wait wasn't it one and seven because the next year was 18 sam's second year was 19 so they started one and seven then they actually finished strong seven and two before obviously going two and 14 so I, I'm not a believer necessarily in the momentum can move forward or things like that, but I do believe that this is a little bit of a different situation where I think that you can root for victories. I think you can root for wins because look, the, the, the two cream of the crop positions, draft positions this year are number one and number two, right? Like that's, that's where you want to get to, because if you can have the number one pick in the draft, 
or you can have the number two pick in the draft, you're going to position yourself to either draft Aiden Hutchinson or Thibodeau from Oregon, right? Like those are the two guys, the two consensus at right now and, and probably going to hold true. The number one or number two picks in the draft. The Jets need a pass rusher, right? There's nothing they can do to get number one or the number one or number two pick in the draft. It's not going to happen. Like the, the Lions and the Jaguars solidify those, those picks. If the Jets wanted those selections, they needed to lose to they needed to lose to the um the um sorry, I looked over into the chat on the right side. Don't don't take that uh that one question. That I think that could be a bad one. It looks like it's coming in. Um caught my eye there, Marissa, so I would ignore that one. Uh but unless you know that person. But um I would say like the I was always on that board of like don't like go like there's oh yeah, momentum, momentum, momentum. If you're gonna lose out. The time to lose out was to lose to that Jacksonville Jaguar team, have Trevor Lawrence's fourth and goal pass go for the first down, and then this, now suddenly you're in a position to draft either number one or number two, and you're picking Thibodeau or you're picking Hutchinson. You're solidifying that forever long search for a edge rushing threat, right? The other time you want to lose out is where the Jets were last year, where you lose, you lose, you lose, and you're positioned to get the number one quarterback in the draft, which would have been Trevor Lawrence. Right now, I don't necessarily see the massive benefit of picking number three, number four, or number five, and it's highly unlikely the Jets all fall all the way down to number six, right? So, like, if the Jets win this game, they're probably going to be picking number five. If the Jets lose this game, they're probably still going to be picking number four because I don't see the Texans winning. So, in my opinion, you're kind of looking at this, and you're like, why don't you not? I'm not, I'm not pulling the card of, like, momentum for next year i'm not pulling the card of like oh they're definitely going to do things for next year and and it's going to carry over and it's going to spill over but Salah is talking so much about right um culture and he's talking so much about rebuilding the culture and and joe douglas the same thing he wants to rebuild the culture and rebuild the culture and rebuild the culture yada 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 blah 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 i think a big way to do that honestly is to to not necessarily continue to find solace in losses uh not to continue to find a find a pick out moments and when the Jets lose games like oh they almost won you know what I mean not not feel good about almost win or somebody had a funny tweet the other day about oh happy almost victory Monday for the Jets like no longer about that but actually start winning some games and again I don't believe in like it carrying over into next year but I think it would be big for this team big for this franchise to go into Buffalo against a team that is much better than them a team that has had to some extent a stranglehold on the division over the last two years the consensus best team in the AFC East and go into Buffalo with them playing for a divisional title and beat them and go into Buffalo and beat the Bills and have Sam Darnold look really good. Have Sam Darnold to some extent outplay Josh Allen to have the Jets, you know, who are down their playmakers and down their running backs and down offensive linemen and down so many players on defense and go into Buffalo and win it. And I think that will that build momentum to carry into next year? No, not necessarily. Because a lot of these players are going to be starting and playing right now. The Jets are going to be looking to replace them in free agency in the draft. However, I do think that that can go a major uh, play a major role in starting to change the culture of this Jets team, where it's not a team anymore that feels good about almost beating the Buccaneers, or a team that feels good about barely hanging on against the two win Jaguars, or a team that feels good because you know the quarterback has played well despite the fact they keep losing. But he can. This can be a game where. If you win it, you can start to change that culture and start to take that corner turn to start to position this team in the one that's not satisfied with losing, but okay with winning. And is it going to be a tall task? Yeah. Do I think it's going to happen? Hell no. But I, I don't know if, if the Jets win this game, if the Jets beat the Bills, I don't think there's going to be a soul. I mean, maybe you'll have a couple to call on a sports talk radio, but I don't think there's going to be too many people that feel bad about that. I think that because the Jets have the quarterback that they believe in, because they still have the two two picks that are probably going to be top 10 anyway, whether they're three and seven or or four and six or five and eight, there's still going to be two top 10 pits, two picks. With how many needs this team has, there's a ton of chances to get better and improve. But I think that winning this game would actually be really, really good for the Jets. I do. And and if it doesn't happen, fine. You know, who cares? Your, your draft pick stays the same. You're still picking number four, which is like there's 74% chance, I think, uh, per ESPN to pick a number four based on like the rest of the schedules and, and who they're playing and all that stuff. So that's not a bad thing. But if you win it, yeah, your draft stock's going to drop maybe one or two selections. But I think the benefit of it is actually better. Now that Thibodeau and Hutchinson are totally out of the mix, I think that that's, that's probably a really good thing that can happen. 
All right, let's take a break. Uh, we'll be back with more on the draft and, and the scenarios that could play out this weekend. Beyond that, we'll talk a little bit about defense too. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, all right. So more with the draft um, as, as far as scenarios this weekend. If you're tuning into all the games, obviously, you know, we know the Jets. If they win, it's four or three. If they lose, they're going to back up some more. But as far as other games go, in order to get to three, you need the Texans to beat the Titans. That's a tough one. And then the other key game to be watching, um, Panthers victory over the Bucks, Seahawks loss to the Cardinals. Best case scenario, Connor, if all these things break the right way, Jets could pick third and then sixth, more likely seventh, depending on the uh, strength of schedule. But three, six, and then two more picks high in the second round. That's best case scenario. And it is a chance to really care about all these random games this weekend if you're a Jets fan. Yeah, watch around, right? I mean, I think it starts, obviously, with the Seahawks game. You want the Seahawks to lose because if the Seahawks somehow beat the Cardinals, and I know that there's a lot of criticism going around about Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury and uh, the way that the Arizona Cardinals have kind of faltered over the last few weeks and things like that. I mean, I, I think that that would throw quite a wrench into the Jets system if they win because we've got a story up on on The Athletic where you guys can go read it, which kind of analyzes like if the Seahawks win right now or the Seahawks beat the Cardinals and some of these other teams that have obvious or it looks very clearly like they're going to lose, that Seahawks pick can just go totally haywire. Like the Jets selection is probably going to be either number four or number five, win or lose. Like that's probably where it's going to be. It's going to take some real, some real SOS gymnastics and also some surprise play from the Houston Texans in order for the Jets to somehow find a way to get up there to number three. Uh, in all likelihood, they're probably number four or number five based on everyone else. But the Seahawks pick is the one that can change a ton. So it starts there. Just watch the Seahawks. Hope the Seahawks lose. And as long as the Seahawks lose, you're going to be you're going to be sitting pretty, pretty come the draft day. But I mean, look, Tim, we, we've talked about this so much uh, ad nauseum over and over and over again about you know, Joe Douglas in the draft and, and how he can change and redirect the course of this team and how he can change and redirect the course of this franchise. Well, this is the offseason to do it. And and I'm not putting any any win totals on next year. I'm not saying what this team where this team could be, where this team should be, anything like that. Um, but they sh they, they need to take a, a legitimate jump next year. I mean, you can't be hanging your hat more on Look, you, you can buy into this year about the injuries. You can buy into this year about the COVID. You can say like, look, you know, they 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 weren't a very talented team to begin with, and then they were decimated by injuries and COVID, and that's why. And that's why you got to be okay with them just playing the Buccaneers close. You got to be okay with them barely winning these games, and you got to be okay with individual moments of games to hang your hat on to say like, okay, yeah, let's. This is this is good, right? Like this is good. This is something that's a positive. Next year that changes because next year is going to be year four for Joe Douglas. Next year is going to be year two for Salah. It's going to be year two for Zach Wilson. It's going to be year two or year four, I'm sorry, of adding all of these players, where Joe Douglas will have had three full free agent classes. He'll have had three full free agencies, three full UDFAs. And if you look at the number of draft picks that he has had to work with over the last two years, specifically this year, the Jets are basically having two drafts in one for the first four rounds of this year's draft. They've got two first-round picks. They've got two second-round picks. They have one third-round pick, but they have two fourth-round picks. It's very common for teams to have a one, a two, and a four, or a one, a two, and a three, and no fours. Like it's like the Jets have two draft classes in one this year. So this team, if they pick the right players, should take a substantial, and that both includes in free agency and in the draft, should take a substantial jump next year. I mean, there's no reason to believe that this team shouldn't be around eight wins. This team shouldn't be around nine wins. This shouldn't this team shouldn't be competing enough in games where you can play 
the schedule game and say like, man, if they just got the stop here and they made one more play here, you're looking at an 11 win football team, man. You know, we really believe this going into 2023. They should take a big jump next year and it's going to come down to player acquisition. I really think that's the biggest thing. And, and, and this draft is a major way to do it, whether they're picking three and six or they're picking four and eight or they're picking five and eight. It doesn't really matter. I mean, they are in a position to add legitimate game changers this year. They're in a position to add legitimate playmakers this year, and they need to do it. They need closers on defense. They need players on offense, and it's on Joe Douglas to find it. And he's got a, a real legitimate big way to do it this year, both with his 2021 class going into year two, his 2020 class going into year three, and then having basically two draft classes in one here in this class. All right, we do have some questions. We don't have anybody waiting to get on live, but some good stuff from the chat, right, Marissa? Yeah, so we actually, Ben was um, going to hop on and had a work call, but um, Tim and I liked his question, so we are going to ask it for him. He said, would love to hear your thoughts on what the Jets D-line will look like for next year. In a solid defense, more rotational pieces, the better. Does JD load up on the front and leave cornerback room as is? So with the corner situation, the Jets the Jets want to get another veteran here. Like they want they want to have the ball hawking playmaker. They like Brandon Eccles a lot. They like Bryce Hall a lot. They like Mike Carter a lot. Mike Carter is kind of the outlier here because he's a nickelback. You know, going to play that nickel position. When it comes to even Isaiah Dunn, who we haven't talked too much about with Isaiah Dunn, Brandon Eccles, Bryce Hall, the Jets love those guys, but they view them all as kind of like number two corners. Like none of those two guys, three guys, are real ball hawkers. So. For Salah, like he wants for this defense and what the Jets wants for this defense is that kind of veteran presence at cornerback who's a number one corner who goes out there and gets the football. You know, if you if you look at how when his defense took that next step in San Francisco is when they got Richard Sherman, like when they took that next jump, you can talk about how they added both. So they added pieces on the defensive line. Yes. But a major key to that team was that they were able to go out there and sign Richard Sherman, a guy who's good at getting the football, who has a swagger, who's a veteran presence. And you add him with those younger players that they had at corner, and that secondary really took the next step. So, you know, they want to get that veteran corner. I don't know if he's going to be there in free agency. I tend to believe they're probably not going to go the corner route early in the NFL draft. I think they'll probably look to add someone in free agency. I think there's a chance that J.C. Jackson's there if he doesn't get franchise tagged by the uh, by the New England Patriots. I think there's a chance he hits free agency. I don't know if he would be... I know I've heard some things about like how he, you know he's one of those guys that really needs hard coaching to get the best out of him, which is why he's thrived in, in New England. I've heard some things about that. I don't know if the Jets would give him that because Salah's a little bit more of the player's coach where like you know he doesn't yell. He wants to bring everyone along, that kind of a thing. But um, I know they want to get the number one veteran cornerback. I know they want to improve their speed at safety. But when it comes to the defensive line, that's always going to be the focal point of this team. That's always going to be what they want. That's always what they want their namesake to be, is they want to be a team that wins games because of their defensive line. And they think that they're close. They like their defensive tackle rotation with Sheldon Rankins and Foley Fatukasi and Quinnen Williams uh, and Jonathan Marshall, who you'll probably see a decent amount next year. They love the fact that they're going to get Carl Lawson back there. They like Bryce Huff as a situational rusher. They want to keep developing Ward. But they do believe that they need another bonafide, no doubt, pass rusher, which is why if the Jets were picking one or two, no matter their needs a corner, no matter their need at safety, no matter how much they could use a number one receiver, they were going to take either Thibodeau or Hutchinson because they believe that one of those two players would complete their defensive line. Because when Salah's defense is best, aside from like the secondary with the veteran corner, that kind of thing, speed at safety, you have one dominant pass rusher on one side and one dominant pass rusher on the other. And you then rotate guys in and out, but you still have your two dominant game-changing players on the outside. The Jets believe they have one of those players with Carl Lawson. They need to go out and find the second one. They could look towards free agency if the right guy's there. Maybe there's somebody that, that rises up the NFL draft who surprises some people and goes out there and, and makes a name for himself on, uh, on, on the pro day circuit and, and the combine circuit and suddenly is in contention at number four, number five, wherever the Jets end up picking. Um, but for right now, I'd say that, that there's never going to be a time when they just start ignoring the defensive line. That's always going to be a priority. The Jets want to get that number one corner. Like I said, they want to improve their safety, but they know that for them to really make their D work, they need to get that pass rusher opposite Carl Lawson. They need to find that player. And, and I think that's why you'll see them start to look to guys, uh, it, look for a pass rusher or something like that in the draft. All right. We are going to bring in John and he has a question, I think, about CJ Mosley. I'm Yeah. So CJ Mosley next year. Um he's owed a lot of money, I think like 17 million. Yeah. Um 
just for the team MVP, I know he's had a few bad plays this year, but I know he's the one directing all these young defenders, um, which is probably why he got a lot of votes. So uh, do they keep him to keep a veteran on the D? Do they try to restructure the contract, or is that a hard sell given that he was just MVP? Just trying to, uh, you know, see what's his uh, position for next year. Great question. Yeah, so I think that um... – yeah, great question. I think that um, CJ Mosley is going to be back next year. And I, I actually didn't think that was the case when this whole season, when this thing actually began, because he is owed a lot of money, but a lot of that money is guaranteed. I think like for the Jets to, they could technically cut him last year. They would free like $8 million, but they'd absorb like an $8 million penalty. So it would basically be just ridding the player more than money. Like I, it never financially made sense. Like I could see, I could, I could, what you mentioned is I could potentially see this coming down you know, the Jets during training camp go to him and start saying something along the lines of like, you know, look, we can cut you. You're only going to get veteran. Kind of what they did with Jamison Crowder. But, you know, they had a little bit more leverage which over Jamison Crowder because he had no guaranteed money left on his contract. So if they cut him, he would get zero money from the Jets and then be getting just whatever he would get on the free agent market, which is why the Jets were able to rework it. What I think ends up happening is the Jets are going to be in fine position with salary cap space because they're going to cut Greg Van Roten. They're going to cut Ryan Griffin. Uh, they're going to cut Shaq Lawson. They're going to be sitting at anywhere from 60 to $65 million in salary cap space, which is plenty. And they can absolutely make some other things work. They can research, re rework George Fant. If they draft a center and they want to move on from Connor McGovern, they can do that as well and free another eight or $9 million. I mean, there's ways for the Jets to get to $70, $80 million in salary cap space. And we also don't know what the salary cap team salary cap situation is going to look like next year. Is it going to get a decent jump with fans back in the stands? What's it going to look like? I don't know. Um, but I don't think that there's any chance anymore that CJ Mosley is going to be gone. And that's, I actually thought he was going to be out of here. And I was very surprised that at the notion that he would be back into, I thought the jets would just eat the money, let him go. And, and they would go find a new middle linebacker. But everything that Robert Sala has said about him when they've talked, everything that Joe Douglas has said about him when he talks, the fact that again, they don't really save any money by letting him go. I don't see the benefit of cutting him. You know, the Jets have other holes on defense. And this is how I always I always look at when, because it's very easy to look at players, be like, oh, cut him, cut him, cut him, cut him, cut him. I always look at, like, when you cut a player, you then have to replace that player. And in my opinion, I don't necessarily see when the Jets need another pass rusher on defense, right? When the Jets need uh, a ball hawking corner on defense when they need potentially and and I would say likely two safeties along with depth. I don't see the benefit of cutting CJ Mosley to then create that other hole because one, it's not going to free any additional money for you. Two, you're going to then have to find another linebacker that's both going to bring the leadership and play that CJ Mosley is. And is he the perfect linebacker? Is he Patrick Willis? No. Is he Luke Keekley? No. But he's a phenomenally intelligent player. He is a good player in coverage. He's a very good player against the run. You can tell that he is a leader and somebody that everyone looks to as a player who does it the right way. So, yeah, has he paid a lot of money? Yeah. Is he overpaid? Probably. But at some point, you know what? Good players end up getting great money sometimes. And this is one of those situations. And for what he brings to this team, the fact he can still play, the fact he showed this year he can play, and I think he'll be even better next year having played a full year and gotten some of that rust off. I don't see any reason why they should let him go. And, and that's going to be a topic of conversation for Joe Douglas after this year. Because we're going to talk to him uh, shortly after the season ends. And that's going to be one of the big questions is, you know, do you plan on keeping C.J. Mosley around? It sure sounds like from Robert Sala and Jeff Olberg, they want to keep him. As for the the GM, you know, we'll see and we'll learn when you talk to him. But but to answer your question quickly, I, I would be very surprised if Mosley's gone. Like, I would be very surprised that he's back here next year. All right, let's take another break. Uh, we'll have more questions. We have our picks, too, for Week 18. Marissa trying to wrap things up. We'll be right back. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome back. Mosley, we were talking about him before the break and he was uh, voted the uh, media favorite too, Connor, right? He was tremendous with you guys yeah. this season, yeah. He was really good, yeah. It's tough because, again, like, like I said, you know, it's it's – we don't have the locker room still, which kind of sucks. And and like it's it's tough to really generate relationships with players. But I thought CJ was always available. Like even and I think what won it for me and why I voted him number one. And there were other players as well that were very good with us and, and deserved voting and got voting. But CJ, whether the Jets got their ass kicked or didn't, he was there in that locker room with us or in the in the post game with us. You know, he was he was always there during the week. He was there after games. I mean, he answered tough questions. He answered them honestly. Uh, he was always really good with us. I mean, he was he gave us some headlines, too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if people take us lightly, we're just going to go and whoop your ass or something like that. Like yeah. he said back there in the green and white scrimmage. So he gave us the headlines. But then also he was always accountable. And, and that's not always the case. I mean, it's very common for players when they have a poor game. Uh, case in point, Denzel Mims, um, he, that he literally would just not show up. You know what I mean? Like Denzel plays horribly, drops that pass, right? Like he has that really bad game. He just doesn't he doesn't answer questions for us. CJ has a bad game and the defense went through that horrible stretch and he was there to answer questions. And that carries a lot of weight and means a lot of things. It means a lot, I think. So uh, obviously the MVP is going to gonna uh, be a better uh, a better reward for him. I'm sure he's going to talk about that more. But from a media perspective as well, he was great with us. Really was. It's like it's like the good guy award uh, dealing yeah. with dealing with Connor. I mean, me and Marissa yeah. have to do it, but yeah. CJ doesn't. Yeah. Where's our yeah, award? So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right. We have a couple more questions, maybe, Marissa. Yeah, so we are going to pull Ben into the stream, and Ben has a question about Zach Wilson. Cool. Hey, guys. Um, love the pod. Calling in from London. Oh, wow. Wow, excuse what that. an if, accent. If, if you, this is amazing. Excuse the accent. No, I love my brother's it. Actually na- my brother's actually named Jet. Oh, really? Um, so, so we really are properly cursed family over in London. <laughs> were you um, at the game? Did you go to the uh, the game? Yeah, and- I, was at the, I, I was at the game. I was right above where you were down on the touchline. Oh, that's um, awesome. That's an awesome stadium. I was, I, was, I was there for the Chicago-Oakland game last year as well. What, or maybe they were Vegas then. Um, but that was an awful game. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely loved it. Um, and, and loved the podcast as well. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, my, my question is, is that two years ago, we had that sort of end of season with, with Donald where things started to look up. He obviously started the season with Mono. Jets fans start getting a bit excited. It kind of resembles what feels like is going on now with Wilson, which is an end of season drive. Um, obviously, it's his first year, not his second year. I just, I mean, Jets fans are so used to long off seasons. Obviously, the season's always ending in January. What kind of things can you do, do you think, is there anything interesting that we can do to try keep momentum in the off season? You know, I think what you say about Mosley is true is that we feel like we have leaders in the dressing room now more than we did when Donald left. Yeah. Um, but 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 what kind of things do you think we can do to try and keep this momentum going into another long off season? Yeah. So the final year of of Sam's, the final season of Sam's, uh, or the final the final few games of Sam's rookie year, I think the one thing that you would say when you looked at that Jets team was that. They were pretty far away. I mean, I, I think that you you hung your hat on Sam Darnold, but it was almost like, okay, the Jets have their quarterback. Now they need everything else, right? Like now they need to rebuild the offensive line. Now they need to get him playmakers. Now they need to get him a defense that's going to limit opponents on the other side of the scoreboard. I mean, it was it the, the Jets literally needed everything else aside from quarterback. I mean, we were at that point, like, yeah, they had Robbie Anderson, but like we were talking about Deontay Burnett being an answer or Jermaine Curse being an answer. And and Chris Herndon was like the player you could hang your hat on. Like, oh, at least the Jets got a, a fourth round tight end. But there was nothing else. And that offensive line was in such dire, dire shape. I think when you look at the Jets this year, and even at four wins or, or five wins, whatever they're going to finish up with, 
you can look at other games and other moments where maybe they should have won that one, right? They should have won this one. I think there's probably three or four other games that you can go to that you can say either with better quarterback play or just one or two plays going the other direction, the Jets can win those games. And suddenly you're not talking about a four-win team, but you're talking about a six or a seven-win team. When you just go across this roster top to bottom, I think you can look at this entire roster and see a team that is much further along, noticeably further along than what the Jets were ever under Sam at that point. You know what I mean? I mean, just look at the offense, right? You've got Mike Carter at running back. That's a major piece. You've got Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. Those are two major pieces. Are they number one receivers? I mean, if you want to talk about Elijah Moore being a great player, sure. But I'm talking about like a number one X receiver. Like, no, the Jets don't have the number one X receiver. They still need that. But they've got a really good number two in Corey Davis and a really good playmaking slot in, in Elijah Moore. You need the tight end, yes. But in the offensive line, even if the Jets just brought back everyone they have playing right now, that's a decent enough offensive line that you can win with. You want to infuse it with talent. You want a new right guard, absolutely. You want Mekhi Beckton to come back, which shifts George Fan over to the right tackle. Sure, you want to do those things. You can definitely improve it. But it's not in this dire, awful situation like you could say about the offensive line in 2018. So you've got two better receivers than you did Sam's rookie. You know, two pieces that you didn't have at that point. You've got a running back that you didn't have at that point. Really, if you look at this offense and you're like, okay, what do you need? Not what do you want. Not what, do, what, not what can you improve because you can go all the way down the line at positions you can improve. If you look at what this offense desperately needs, you can really say right guard, wide receiver one, tight end. Three positions. I think that's the only thing, aside from your quarterback improving, that's really the only thing this Jets offense desperately needs. Wide receiver one, tight end, right guard. That's it. You can improve left tackle, absolutely. You can improve center, yes. You can improve this position. You can add another running back, yes, to complement Mike Carter. Sure, you can do all those things. But what you need are just those three positions on offense. And if you get those three positions on offense, I think you're talking about a group that can be good, to potentially very, very good, to potentially great, depending on how much development you get from the quarterback. You flip to the defensive side of the ball. What do you need? Now, what do you want? What do you need? You need a number one corner or a veteran corner that can attack the football. You need two speedy safeties, and you need a pass rusher. That's four positions. Pass rusher, veteran cornerback who can attack the ball, two safeties. If you can get those things this year on defense, and you, if you can get those four positions on defense, if you can get those three positions on offense this year, I think you were talking about a Jets team that, depending on the development of the quarterback, could win anywhere from eight to ten games next year. When we were talking about Sam at the end of his first year, it was, okay, the Jets have Sam Darnold, but now they need a brand new coach. They need a brand new offensive coordinator. They need two or three receivers. They need a new running back. They need to rebuild the offensive line defensively. You need a corner. You need a pass rusher. You need linebackers. You needed all of that. And that's when Mike McAgden went crazy in free agency and started throwing absurd money out there at Le'Veon Bell. He started throwing the money out there at C.J. Mosley. He started throwing the money out there at Jamison Crowder. He started going in and making an absurd draft because he had to trade for Sam Darnold. After trading for Sam Darnold, he couldn't go – and um, and use the draft picks and the draft capital to go fill some of those voids in the draft because he didn't have that many draft picks. He had to trade all of his capital and move up to get Sam. So the Jets not only are, as a roster, much, much further along right now with their rookie quarterback than they were with Sam Darnold in 2018. You're going into an offseason where you have all of that money in free agency where you have not only one set of your own draft picks, but you have a second pick in the first round, a second pick in the second round, a second pick in the fourth round. Like I said earlier in the show, basically two draft classes in one. So the Jets are in a, you want you want positivity. I mean, I'm sorry, there's, there's nothing I can say like, oh, well, just look for this aspect in this game. Aside from Zach, there really is nothing you say, okay, just look for this aspect in this game. And that's, that's what you can hang your hat on. It really is the fact that you can take solace in knowing that this roster is so much further along than they ever have been over the last few years, and they have a chance to infuse it even more because in 2018, they didn't have that many draft picks in 2019. This year, they've got two classes, basically two draft classes, those first four rounds, to build on this roster. They've got money to spend to build on this roster where the Jets are in a position where you can see, you talk about all those teams that take massive jumps in one year to the next year, because of the assets and the tools that the Jets have to build this team up more, they absolutely are in a position to skyrocket this thing next year. Again, a lot of it's going to be predicated on the quarterback, 100%. It's going to be predicated on staying healthy. But they are absolutely in a such, such, such a better position now 
than they have been at any point, I would say, over the last five or six years. Yeah, good place to be. All right, let's do picks to wrap things up. Marissa, 24 and 18 right now. We all went one and two last week, so we're kind of stumbling to the finish. But Marissa, 24 and 18. Connor, 19 and 23. Uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry, that's wrong. 19, 22 and one. You had a push last week. And uh, I am 18, 23 and one. Marissa, you get to kick things off. Man, I'm just crushing you guys. This is great. (laughs) All right, um, I am going with, I'm going to start with the, okay, some big spreads here, but Chiefs have a lot to play for. They're playing on Saturday. They're playing for the number one seed. None of the other games matter. It's not like they're playing at the same time as someone. So Chiefs minus 10 and a half versus the Broncos. Um, I believe it's the Broncos. Yeah, it's the Broncos. I just, I just feel like the Chiefs are really going to be fighting for that number one seed. And then could be the end of the Mike Zimmer era in Minnesota. So I think that the Vikings are going to be playing for him. So I'm going to go Vikings minus five and a half versus the Bears. And then the Colts win versus the Jaguars. They're in. It's a 15 and a half spread, but it's the Jaguars and they're playing for they're a playoff so bad, spot. So, so Colts minus 15 and a half versus Oof, Trevor Lawrence and, and the Jags. I like that line too. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I think the the Jaguars are just such a terrible. Like, all right. So, what? Go back to real quick. Like Ben's question. Like Ben asked us about. Like, oh, how do you feel? Like the Jaguars this year remind me very similar, or remind me a lot of the Jets in 2018. Like that. That's what it reminds me of. Where you got to have a new. You got your quarterback, or you assume you have your quarterback, but now you literally need everything else. Like their offensive line, awful. James Robinson and and I guess you you drafted uh, his his boy uh, Etni. How, how do you say his last name? The Travis Etn. Etn. Travis Etn. As I remember seeing him, I was like, "Why did you draft a running back? Like, you, like offensive line receiver? Like, what are you doing?" And they draft him. Like, they need receivers now. They need like it's just it's such a bad situation for Jacksonville. And then you compare it to New York, where New York has a functional offensive line right now that can get better and will get better because Douglas is going to continue to infuse talent there with the second round picks and third round picks. But you got an offensive line. You've got at least two of three receivers, right? You got you got the quarterback. Now you've got a defense that's shown that they can compete. They just need a little bit more and they need to get healthy. I mean, there's it's two polar opposite, polar, polar opposite. You compare it even to the Jets to the Giants. Like the Giants, similar situation to the Jets in 2018. Just now they are they have to pick the right players. That's the caveat. They have to pick the right players but they are in the position to do so, certainly better than so many other teams. With that, what are your picks? Yeah. Um, so I'm awful at picks. Just fade me. Continue to fade me. I, I don't even have – I said this to Marissa. I, 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 gotta, I didn't text Michael to apologize to him. I don't even – I can't even successfully fade the Browns anymore. Like I've been doing like every week, like out of, out of, out of respect for Marissa and Michael, I just bet, you know, 25, 50 bucks on the other line, other end of the Browns just to get the Browns to win. You know what I mean? Like I do it all the time. And it, it like started where like, no, well, the Browns, it's it was working. The Browns would win outright. Like as long as I bet the other way, the Browns would win outright. Then it went from Browns winning outright to Browns cover, but still lose to now they're not even covering like the steel. Like I and now, so I'm just staying away. Like I, I don't want to, I don't want to cause more. I feel like the football gods, the football betting gods are now harming Marissa and Michael just to continue to get back at me, which is just, it's not good. So I'm staying away from all Browns games moving forward. I will never bet them again. They're going to well, go on the list won. of do not bets until Michael leaves or, or goes somewhere <laughs> else where he's the starting right guard for the Jets next year. But we're going to go um, moving forward here. Uh, here are my three picks. I like the Philadelphia Eagles plus four and a half at home against the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, wow. Um, I, yeah, well, I, well, here's the thing. Is that I don't – what? Well, yeah, well, they're not good. Like, they have not beaten a good football team. And I don't think anyone went out right. I just think they're probably, it's probably going to be a three-point game. Like, the Eagles are going to go to the playoffs, and I'm so sick of this because they're going to get their asses stomped. Like, they're just going to get destroyed in the first round of the play. They're not a good football team. They have Connor, not beaten they, a good football team this they year. They are the biggest surprise this season. Bullshit. They're just not – they're just not – the Jets have beaten – the Jets Jets' victories over are, are over more quality opponents than anyone the Eagles have beaten. Like, I was arguing this with Elliot Shore Parks about him telling me the Saints were a good victory. The Saints lost to the Giants. Like, you want to tell me the Saints? You're hanging your hat on the New Orleans Saints. Is a good. I'm sorry. They're, they're not a good football team. They beat Washington, who is just a disaster, and they barely beat him when they had what's-his-face, Kyle Allen or whoever that was starting a quarterback. Like, they're, they're not a good football team. They're not. I'm not saying they can't be. They got, just, they got three first-round picks next year. They can be good. 
but they're not a good football team right now. So, I, but I do think I don't know really what the Cowboys are playing for other than playoff seating. So I think that's going to be a closer game than what some people expect. Uh, so I could see it being a three point game or something like that. So give me the Eagles plus four and a half. I don't think they went out right. I just think they cover. Uh, Baltimore against the Steelers. I, I'm sorry to say this, Marissa, because I know the Browns just lost to him, but that's because Baker Mayfield is awful. Th- as that I've game been saying like, is, over that and game over isn't going to matter if, if Baltimore Colts... minus four. Well, I guess it, it's the same time as the Colts game, so technically they yeah. are still playing for something. So yes, yeah. so you mean the Ravens minus four against the Steelers. The Steelers, like the Eagles, are not a very good football team, and the Browns would have beaten them by three touchdowns if Case Keenum started. And then I'm going to go with uh, Washington football team minus seven against the Giants. I mean, holy hell are the Giants bad. I don't know how this line is seven when you know Jake Fromm starting. Like so that does, is just Does Joe awful. Judge keep his job? Let's, let's, let's wonder that. Do you think Monday Joe Judge is the he coach shouldn't. of the New York he Giants? He shouldn't. He shouldn't because I I, think I'm he sorry. Will be, though. He, just, I think he will be, They're just so too. slow to fire coaches. It's just, I agree with you, unless you bench Eli Manning and they fire you right away because, you know, that was deserving of <laughs> I mean, it. Guy's the most successful Giants coach since Coughlin, and they're like, oh, nope, you've benched Eli out, which was the right call, by the way. Like, Eli deserved to be benched. They just shouldn't have yep. benched him for Geno. That was where Ben McAdoo messed up, was that he never should have benched him for Geno Smith. Like, that that was the nail in the coffin. You should have, if you were benched him, they had some uh, quarterback they drafted in the third round. I don't think it was Davis Webb, or maybe it was Davis Webb. That's the guy you should have put in. like, Because you could just say, oh, is the rookie playing well? Like, Do we have something here before we go on and draft somebody? But that's neither here nor there. Um, uh, I Look, I've seen enough teams that do the try to saddle a GM or saddle a coach with a GM. And unless the GM willfully retires on success and you know your coach is a winner – you're going to have a hard time saddling a GM. You're cutting your GM candidate list in half. And they're already coming into a situation that isn't very good because the Giants are littered with horrific salary cap situations. You have a questionable quarterback, and you have uh, players you're paying a boatload of money to that aren't playing well. So in my opinion, like it's 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 one of but the I heard worst. All the free Not only are they the worst there, team in the Connor. NFL. I heard all the free agents want to come there, and the players that aren't <laughs> on I the s- team. No, Joe Judge Did said I say that? that. Joe Judge said oh, he yeah. gets was, calls oh, from former there. players. The, the guys that left one. Yeah, yeah that I told Duggan. I was making I texted joke. Duggan. I was like, can you look up who the hell's calling him? Like, who you got, like, some fourth <laughs> string right tackle saying, I want to come back? Like, who's calling Joe Judge to say, I want to go play for the Giants? Like, I'm sorry. The Giants are literally, I think, the worst team in the NFL. I, I think that they are, a, they are a worse team than the Jacksonville Jaguars. But the problem is, is that not only are they the worst team in the NFL, they are the worst situation in the NFL, considering the salary cap situation that Joe Ducks has strapped them in. Joe, uh, uh, Dave Gettleman has strapped them in. And now you're going to be saddled with a coach that you potentially don't want like it's it's just in my opinion it's just a awful i it's they should fire him i don't think they will fire him but if he keeps having press conferences like he did last week he's gonna get fired i mean that was like idzik level bad but yeah so my three picks before we veer off like all right we have already veered off my three picks give me the eagles plus four and a half against the cowboys baltimore minus four against the steelers and the washington football team minus seven against the giants and i'll be honest those three spreads are some of the three games that i actually have liked the most in a while like i really do like those lines especially the washington one final game of the Washington football team Mm. before we figure out what their mascot will be. All right, my picks real quick, then we'll say goodbye. Uh, Packers minus four at the Lions. Dolphins plus six and a half against the Patriots. And I'm going to take the Jets plus 16 and a half. Wow. Uh, Just to, you know, I mean, I don't think they're going to win, but plus 16 and a half. (laughs) I'll take that against the Bills. Yeah, I didn't realize that was 16 and a half. Good line. I would take Jets too. That's going to do it for us. That's going to do it for the regular season. We'll be back next week, though. Um, we're going to probably do one a week instead of two a week going forward. But for the for the next couple of weeks, at least, we'll be going one a week. We'll crank things up, obviously, around free agency and the draft. Um, but we'll talk to you again next week with a full recap of Week 18 against the Bills. If you want to save 33% on a subscription to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash can't wait. Talk to everybody next week.